welcome to Subject to Talent, brought to you by Allegis Global Solutions. Similar to you, we're always trying to learn more. On this podcast, we speak to workforce and talent experts from around the world, covering market trends, technology, and our ever-evolving dynamic industry. Hi, I'm Bruce Morton, the host of Subject to Talent podcast. Today, I'm joined by a very good friend of mine, Dawn McCartney. Dawn is Vice President of the Contingent Workforce Strategies Council, lovely known as CWS, at Staffing Industry Analysts. Dawn leads and oversees the CWS Council, SIA Certification and Training Accreditation Programs, and is responsible for identifying, developing, and implementing cutting-edge research for the end users of contingent labor. Dawn's a highly regarded industry speaker and frequently shares insights, thought leadership, and best practices across the workforce solutions ecosystem. Dawn, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Thank you so much for being here. Now, uh, regular listeners will know we always ask our guests the same first question. That is, how did you get into the workforce industry and what was your journey to get to where you are today? Yeah, and it's interesting when I started to think about it. It's been a long journey. So 25 years ago this year, um, I am extremely grateful to a gentleman by the name of Bob Kloss. He actually, um, I was born and raised in Chicago as a small IT recruiting firm there. And I actually went in to interview for a front desk receptionist. And <laughs> after the interview, he actually asked me, he said, hey, I know you're here for the receptionist position, but is there any chance you'd consider being a recruiter? He said, my personality aligned really well to successful recruiters. And I thought, sure, I, I'll give it a try. And I have to say that that one opportunity changed my entire life. So had the opportunity to continue on with recruiting, which I loved. And then I think a normal journey for a lot of folks, right? You start out as a recruiter, then you go into account management. And then I had an opportunity. Um, Another staffing organization contacted me. They were going to open up or try to recharge an IT um, branch that they had downtown Chicago. So I jumped at that. I thought, how exciting would that be? And then... um, Unfortunately, our world um, had a, quite an impact, and that was 9-11 happened. And so, as I'm sure many of us remember, um, things absolutely changed. And so, with that, the organization decided they did not want to go forward. They didn't think it was a good time to move forward with that, with that branch. So, I found myself having to contemplate my next role. And I am a big believer that there is a reason for everything and there is a plan. And all of a sudden, I, my husband and I learned we were expecting a child. And so very different than with my two older sons, I had the opportunity to not have to work. And so became a stay-at-home mom. And I think I, after two and a half years of being a stay-at-home mom, I had to come to probably one of the most difficult conversations I've ever had to have. And that was... When my husband came home one night, I said, I love being a mom. I I love the opportunity that it's given me to be here and be home with her, but I I need to work again. I need to have a purpose outside of just being a mom and a wife. And that's really hard to do and to admit. And I'm so grateful. My husband was very supportive and he said, hey, we'll figure it out. What do you want to do? Is there something maybe you could do even from home? I had a great rapport with a lot of my old candidates and clients. And so um, I actually decided to start my own little recruiting firm. It was done out of my house. Yeah, it was was having fun. I had a handful of clients 
Then one day I got a phone call from McDonald's Corporation, which for folks that know, McDonald's is located in the Chicagoland area. And they had said they had heard about me and they wanted to know if there was any chance I could help them out for about three months to cover a maternity leave for one of their IT recruiters. And so it was um, at that point, I said, hey, if you don't mind, you're not going to be my only client. I have other clients. And they said, no, that's exactly what we're looking for. All of the staffing companies want us to be able to guarantee 40 hours and we can't. And I said, no, then this will be perfect. So had the opportunity to start working with McDonald's and three months turned into 18 months. And (laughs) at that point, they came to me and they said, hey, is there any chance you'd consider joining us full time? And for those that know McDonald's, it was it still is a phenomenal organization, great benefits. It was a great opportunity. And so I decided that it was going to be something I would do. I contacted my clients. I closed my little my little firm and I started to work there. And that's what really led me into my to my current role. So at McDonald's, I had the chance to put in place a contingent workforce program. We had nothing but Excel spreadsheets and Lotus Notes folders, for those of us that remember those days. Yeah, and I got the opportunity, you know, and when you think about it, Bruce, back then, right, when you'd Google contingent, you didn't get the plethora of information you get now. And so I found myself, you know, all of a sudden I was deemed the expert internally at McDonald's, and I thought, ooh, that's kind of scary because I'm no expert and I had one of my peers said, hey, you should probably look into staffing industry analysts. They've got this council and they've got a lot of great information and insight. And so I did. And then I became a member and then I became fully ingrained, started doing panels with them and then also got the opportunity. They used to have a group called SIAG. So it was Staffing Industry Analyst Advisory Group and it was buyers and providers that came together and we kind of talked about challenges that were happening in the industry, things that we thought about moving our industry forward. And I had um, a chance to help create what is now our CCWP. And so once I did that and remained involved in that, they had an opportunity that opened. They asked if I'd be interested. I jumped at the chance and 10 years later, here I am. Great. Great. So like most of us in this industry, we sort of stumbled into things. I had the same experience can you find me a job? And like, well, you sound pretty sharp. Can you start Monday? And that's how I got into the industry Isn't 42 fun, years yeah. ago. So <laughs> there's something in common there. But I, yeah, I, I too believe in the power of the universe. So, um, you know, good, good, great story. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Now, here we are recording on the heels of the CWS Summit in North America, which was a uh, well-attended, been understatement, a very well-attended, <laughs> sold-out event, yeah. and the first one in person since 2019, of course. Yeah. Can you set the scene for our listeners as to when you know, what the CWS Summit is and its place in the industry, and then we can dive into some of the themes that came from that? Yeah, I'd love to. And I appreciate that you said that, right? So you said CWS Summit North America. We actually have two CWS Summits. So we do one in Europe in May. And then we had the infamous one that we're going to talk about today for our CWS Summit North America in September. Yeah, and so CWS Summit, it's the largest event of its kind. We bring together, you know, the qualified attendees are HR, procurement, legal, and then what we would deem to be other business leaders inside enterprise buyer organizations. And these are folks that have responsibility for the contingent and the extended workforce programs but they also are policies or the supplier base and 
you know, the VMS and the MSP relationships. So that is our audience that we are, that we're focused on. And, um, you know, you asked about this year, and I'm with you, Bruce. One, I think it was exactly what our industry needed. Like you said, it had been two years since we were completely in person. There was an absolute hunger, not only for the interaction and being live and being, you know, kind of that big reunion that we had, but a heck of a lot has changed in the two years. And, you know, a lot of the program managers and the enterprise buyers found themselves that two-year gap with the changes that happened with the technology and risk and all of that, they, they just, they wanted to be back in person. And so you're right, largest event, we've been doing this 18 years. We had over 1,200 attendees, which was awesome. Yeah. It's great. Well, I, I certainly joined, I joined my time in Dallas and uh, very thankful to SIA for bringing people together to reconnect and network, as you say. Um, and we certainly are. I mean, perhaps we're guilty of saying a buzz and moment in time, but I truly believe that we are in a moment of time in our industry, and that, which does you know, create an opportunity for change, which is exciting. Um, but also, you know, anything that is to do with the extended workforce right now. I think organizations are truly starting to understand the strategic value of that. Um, it's not a not a um, need to have anymore. It's a want to have. So what are some of the things that you heard during the, the, the week there? Um, what are some of the themes that came out of that and the key takeaways? Yeah, so <clears throat> I would say a couple of the key takeaways, which I think, and I'm hoping you experienced the same thing. I really felt like this year our attendees came with a focus, and many of them came with an agenda. Um, you know, they were willing to engage not only with other attendees, which we always see, right, peers, individuals that are mm-hmm. also, but I think even with the sponsors as well. You know, I even went into what we do our exhibit hall there and saw so much activity and buyers that were willing to go up and talk to the different sponsors. And I think a big part of that was, I, th- I think we took for granted our different events in the summit. And so this time they didn't want to be caught off guard. They didn't, they didn't want to get caught in a pandemic again where we don't get to see each other for two years. So they wanted to get all their questions answered and to find out about the latest and greatest. Yeah, and there were, there were several keynote speeches, obviously including your own. Um, it was a great speech to kick the event off that really created buzz and the discussion amongst the attendees. Can you tell us a bit about the topics that were covered? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you shared, I, I had the opportunity to kick off the event. And one of the things when I do a keynote or I have an opportunity to talk to an audience is I always try to give them something to take away, maybe possibly something to do. What I had seen over and over again is, and again, I lived it when I was a program manager, I would come to an event like this. I get very excited. I'd see all the changes, the things that I wanted to go back and to implement within our program And then I'd go back and I'd start to go down the journey. And then all of a sudden, it would fall off the tracks, right? All of a sudden, it would get moved to the back burner. We'd get frustrated as the enterprise buyer. Sponsors, providers would get frustrated. All of a sudden, you think you've got a new client. And then you get the infamous email or phone call that says, hey, this is going to be delayed or we're putting it on the back burner. So one thing I wanted to do is to give them some things to think about. And so talked about having a strategy. So as they learn about the different changes they wanted to implement, how to create their strategy to help support not only the change happening, but then to also ensure that they get buy-in and more important that they get adoption. So that was the kickoff keynote. And then we were very fortunate. We had Kim Lear, who was phenomenal. She did a keynote 
kind of prepare for the future and where she focuses on us having the four different generations that are part of the workforce, right? So baby boomers, the Gen X, the millennials, and then the Gen Zs. And and if you remember, she talked about, you know, how each of those look very differently at everything from promotions and recognition to compensation to even about like their personal expectations, right, regarding work is different. So that was extremely insightful. Great. Yeah. And then I know we haven't talked about it yet, but we also had on the tail end of our CWS Summit, we host what we call our Collaboration in the Gig Economy. Mm. And we had a phenomenal keynote speaker there as well, Heather McGowan. And she talked about workforce convergence and transformation. And it was interesting. She also talked about the generational differences But what she spoke about, which I found extremely interesting, is how much has changed since the pandemic. And she referenced it, or she kind of stated, the pandemic removed the factory default settings on all aspects of work. And I thought, Hmm. that is so true. Yeah. But the one thing that she also brought into the conversation was the importance to the workers and, you know, the workforce in regards to a company's governance and their environmental and social stance and then also about, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So it was really, really good. Two great keynotes, again, talking about the different generations, but also different aspects of it as well. I want to come back to the gig economy conference in a second, but sticking with CWS for, for a moment, the beyond the keynotes and the sessions, what were the hottest topics that you were discussed well, either in an, uh, you know in a panel or, or a presentation, or perhaps at the bar or over a coffee. What, what, what were the hot topics? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, right? So, Bruce, we've been doing this a while. I, I don't think we'd be surprised. Direct sourcing, right? Still a very hot topic. Mm-hmm. Um, not only from you know what direct sourcing is, but also is it the right option for us? Is it right for our organization? And then, which I really loved, was a lot more in-depth conversations about, all right, if we really want to do this, how do we do it? What if I have an MSP? What if we have a VMS? So a lot more in-depth conversation about that. Um, Again, another one that I, you know, an oldie but a goodie, SOW, still very much part of the conversation. And it was not only how do we start to get this as part of our scope, but what do we bring in? What do we not bring in? Is the effort worth, you know, the effort and the cost worth it? What are we trying to gain here by doing this? And then we had conversations about if we do decide to management or to manage it, you know, what do we manage? And again, if we have an MSP, what should they, what should they be responsible for? What do we remain responsible for? So loved that those two are still not only part of it, but I really felt like we're getting more in depth. We also have, right, some success stories, case studies that others Mm -hmm. could share about that. And then I'd say the one that, you know, we've been talking about it again for a long time, but really started to have what I felt were truly moving conversations. Like we're going to see this happen. Total talent. Mm -hmm. And so more around, and I think part of it is right. The pandemic, it'll, it, absolutely opened the C-suite's eyes to, it's not just our employees. We've got this whole other workforce. What are we doing with them? How do we use them? What's the right roles for them to be in? So I love the fact, I do believe that that's going to be one we're going to hear more and more about. Yeah. And as you, as you mentioned earlier, the, the audience is a, you know, generically speaking, a mix of HR and procurement. Do you 
see those two cohorts having a different view of how they should think about direct sourcing services, universal workforce, we call it total talent. Are they, they, is their thinking starting to come together or are they still looking through different lenses? Do you think? Yeah. You know, I think we're hitting a unique time, right? Our economy is, has got a lot of challenges right now. So procurement folks are going to do what procurement folks are supposed to do, right? They're going to focus on that cost piece, I think. Right. And we all know, right? We live this every day, all day. It's hard to put cost when we talk about talent. So I think there's always going to be kind of that that pull and, and push in regards to that. But I do believe that, you know, we are starting to have more, and we're even seeing it through our council members, more programs that have a procurement representative and an HR representative. And there truly are starting to be more of what I would deem to be partners on this, right? Right. Hey, I'm I'm HR. I'm going to focus on that talent and here's what we need and here's what's important. And this is the type of work that we need to get done. And I need you, my procurement partner to support me, but I need you to be responsible for the things that you're really good at. And that's helping me find those suppliers and helping ensure we've got the right agreements and the right pricing, that sort of thing. So I do think we're starting to see more of that, which I love. I'm, I'm a big proponent of we need both. I'm an HR person. I'm not good at agreements and all the stuff that is really critical to ensure we're protecting not only the workers, but our company, right, and our proprietary information. But at the same time, talent is not the same thing as purchasing, as we kind of joke, pencils or widgets. Great. And so, yes, yeah, so we've been talking about CWS, but then you touched on the, the gig economy uh, conference, the collaboration conference that f- follows directly on from that, uh, which has been, I, in my mind, a massive hit these last few years, uh, pre-COVID and post-COVID. But um, <laughs> can you just explain to our audience the, you know, who ten, what are the differences between the two conferences from a subject matter, but also from an attendee? Perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So I referenced right earlier, CWS Summit's enterprise buyer stakeholders. Um, what we found is there was a void and, and a need for us to have an event that not only the enterprise buyers could be part of that core audience, but also the sponsors and the providers as we started to see our industry evolve, right? Right. There was absolutely a need for there to be this partnership, which we didn't always have. And so collaboration in the gig economy was the perfect event to be able to do that. And what it does is it brings the provider side of the ecosystem and we come together in more of a collaborative environment and we get to talk about, hey, I was just at CWS and I saw these cool things. Now I get to actually sit here and talk to the different technologies and the providers and be able to find out what do you do? You know, what are the services and the offerings that Mm. you have? How do we use it? What can we... So it really is a unique opportunity to kind of take what we learned and start to learn more about how to put it into action in more of, like I said, this collaborative way. Um, it also was pretty awesome that this was our largest collaboration in the gig economy as well. All right, great. And do, do many people go for the whole week? What, what, what does that look like? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's funny. No, in the past, we probably did see where we wouldn't have as many of the enterprise buyers stay on. I think right. Bruce, part of it was, right, if I got the opportunity to travel, I'm going to travel. I haven't done it in so long. Yeah. I'm going to be out of the office right. the whole week, which was awesome. Yeah. But I honestly believe, I think this is going to be something that we will continue to see. And the reason for that is, you know, enterprise buyers, we're in this predicament where we are looking at what's best for the organization, the workers, how do we get the work done? How do we, 
But there's so much changing. And it's the idea of, you know, many times they find themselves responsible for not only knowing all the HR, the legal, the regulatory, but also all the technology and the services Mm -hmm. and the products. And it's hard to do that in between your, you know, 60 hours a week that you're running the program. So being able to come to events like this, especially the collaboration in the gig economy, I I think we're going to continue to see that this will be one that individuals will remain on for absolutely because it is just so extremely insightful. Yeah, it's interesting. We were asking some folks recently when now that the conference season is back post COVID, it's, you know, are you the motivation to travel? Is that something because you're frustrated, sat at home, or is it your partner saying, hey, have you got a conference to go to, honey? <laughs> it's, it's, it's great having you here, but if you only feel on the calendar, you might go away for a few days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, and that's all right. I'll take it. As long as they exactly. come to our event, I'm fine with that. That's right. It's a bit of both probably. Well, I know I'm certainly already got um, next year both events in my calendar, so looking forward to that already. Um, they're a really, really great, great show you guys put on, truly. Right. Um, we can't do it without folks like you. So thank you. So appre- honestly, so appreciative yeah. of you being a sponsor. So we like to end our episodes looking um, a few years in the future. So um, here it comes, the crystal ball question. If you had a crystal ball a few years out and you can pick your own timeline, do you think we'll still be talking about how work gets done and challenges acquiring talent in the same way? Or do you think that the conversations are going to move on um, a great deal in the next few years? Good question. I, I think, right, our industry and what we do is all about getting work done. So, yeah, we're going to still be talking about the topic. Uh, as for acquiring talent, I do think we'll be looking at work very differently and the way work gets done very differently, especially as we have to start to appeal, right, to these new generations that are starting to enter the workforce. And it's interesting, right? They don't, right. I kind of referenced, you know, when I was younger and I had to get a job, it's because I needed a paycheck, right? There was no option. You got a job, that's what you needed to do. And there is a very different approach to this and attitude about why do I work and what do I want to get out of it? And they're looking at it as I'm only going to take jobs that I really enjoy doing. And so with that being the case, right, we're going to have organizations that have to start to look at taking a whole job description and you're going to have to break it in to particular tasks because you're going to have folks out of those 10 bullet points, they really like to do three of them. We got to find someone else to do those other seven. And so I think we're going to have to look at the way work gets done very differently. But I I do, I think it's going to be, it's going to be a pretty awesome time to be a part of this. And then I also think, right, I kind of referenced it earlier, I think we will see, you know, in the near future case studies around how organizations also got to actually officially reach, you know, total talent, which I think will also be pretty incredible as well. Yeah, yeah, exciting time, exciting time indeed. So, Dawn, thank you so much for joining us today. Really enjoyed the conversation. And what should listeners do if they want to learn more about SIA and your events and perhaps even joining the council or accessing your insights and research? Uh, thanks, Bruce. I appreciate it. Actually, they can just go out to our website, so www.staffingindustry.com, and you will be able to get to our homepage, and all the information is available to you out there. Fantastic. Well, Dawn, thanks again. Been a real pleasure. I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Take care. Cheers. To learn more about AGS, please check us out at allegisglobalsolutions.com. You can also send questions for me or our guests. Just tweet us here at Allegis Global with the hashtag subject to talent or email us at subject to talent at allegisglobalsolutions.com. 
And if you enjoyed our podcast today, please subscribe, rate us, and leave a review. Until next time, cheers.